Welcome to the Fem Powered Podcast. I'm Julieta Durante, menstrual cycle nutritionist and hormone whisperer. And I'm Nat Martin, menstrual cycle coach with a passion for all things premenstrual and periods. This is a podcast to help you navigate the world using the menstrual cycle as your compass and guide. We'll be chatting to industry leaders and women who inspire us on everything from money to sexuality, business to hormone health. Honestly, the list is endless because the menstrual cycle shows up literally everywhere. But let's be honest, we live in a world that wasn't built for and doesn't value the menstrual cycle. We are here to change that. We're here to help you learn new things about your cycle and inspire you to bring them into your life so that you can show up in a way that honors your natural rhythms and enhances your inner power. It's time to stop feeling guilty about being inconsistent and struggling with your cycle. So if you're ready to unpack its gifts, let's dive in. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Femme Powered Podcast. It's a solo episode this time with me, Julieta. And today we're going to be looking at the nutrition foundations for hormone health. I did an episode at the beginning, near the beginning of the podcast, which was all about how to eat to support your menstrual cycle and how to eat cyclically, which was very popular. But on reflection, I probably should have done this one before that one, (laughs) but it doesn't matter. What matters really is that I know a lot of you are really very interested in wanting to learn how to support your hormones with food. And, you know, you can go back to listen to that one if you haven't listened to it already. And, you know, then come back to this one. Uh, And it's all kind of really, really valuable, useful, interesting information that you can sort of like choose what you're going to prioritize and what you're going to build in. Yeah, the reason I wanted to talk about nutrition foundations is because there is a lot of misinformation out there. There's a lot of confusing and contradictory information. And sometimes we end up in a place where we just get, we get, we freeze, right, with indecision because we don't know what we, what we should be doing or what the best tactic is. So today really is about going back to the basics, going back to the things that work for no matter what life stage you're at, doesn't matter if you've just started your periods, it doesn't matter if you potentially have a condition like endometriosis or fibroids or polycystic ovaries, if you're in perimenopause, menopause, or even postmenopausal, at every single life stage, these the things I'm going to talk about are important and are really the foundation, which is why I've called this nutrition foundations uh, because if you get this piece if you put this piece in place everything else follows and it is easy right so it's not easy sometimes we we get distracted by very nice looking posts on social media or emails or even adverts that we might even see when we're traveling on a train or something and you know we see that it's like the shiny new pill or the food that's going to solve all our problems and you know, there is no one food that will solve our hormone issues or balance our hormones. It's the combination of foods that it will really help us. And of course, you can bring in specific foods to really help with a very specific issue. But at the end of the day, it's what we're doing day in, day out. Um, it's it's that kind of like what we're doing overall. It's a general way in which we approach our nutrition that's going to have the longest lasting effect on our hormones. 
So I thought quite long and hard about what I wanted to say today. And I really want to keep it very simple. And simple doesn't mean that it's not going to be powerful because it really is. And I think sometimes we have to remind ourselves that if we focus on the simple, then other things will fall in place a lot more easily. So there are two main things really that I wanted to talk about today. The first one is the concept of balancing your blood sugar, blood sugar balance. And to follow on from that, I want to talk a little bit about inflammation and eating in a way that's anti-inflammatory, because I feel this gets mentioned a lot, but we quite often don't quite know what it means or how to go about doing it. So let's start with blood sugar balance. Some of you, most of us have heard the term. I'm not sure when I talk to clients how much we actually know. And I think sometimes we don't really understand what it means in practical terms, like how do we do this? So first of all, what is blood sugar balance and why is it important for hormones? So basically, every time we eat anything that has a carbohydrate in it, so that can be like a piece of fruit or a vegetable or it could be some pasta or bread or rice. Anything that has carbohydrate in it has to get broken down in the body and it gets broken down into glucose, our sort of one of our main sources of energy. And what we want to do is make sure that that glucose is being broken down at a steady pace and that it's going into our cells at a steady place, pace. Excuse me. And that's where you may have heard the hormone insulin. Um, heard You may have heard of it before. Insulin is almost like a key that allows glucose to go into the cells. We can use it. We use it primarily for energy. Sometimes we store it a bit later for energy, or sometimes it gets stored for fat for long-term energy release if we need it much further down the line. And the whole point of having balanced blood sugar is that we don't have too much glucose in our blood at any one time, and it's not causing huge amounts of insulin to be released. Because the thing is, the more often we release insulin, the more we come like completely and utterly like desensitized to it. And you may have heard the term insulin resistance. And what that means is that every time you're eating, your body's producing a load of insulin, but actually the insulin isn't really opening the cells to allow the glucose to go in. So you produce more and more and more and more insulin. And that is a very sort of like not a good state for our hormones because basically insulin is a master hormone and if insulin is wonky it sends all sorts of messages to our bodies and actually can cause hormonal imbalances in many many other areas so if you imagine like hormone health as a big pyramid i would put insulin as like the base of the pyramid so although it's not directly related to our reproductive hormones like estrogen progesterone and testosterone it really, really impacts all of these in a huge, huge way. And there are conditions like, for example, polycystic ovarian syndrome, which is really, really impacted by insulin. But the way I see it, and in my experience of working with many, many clients, and even in my own kind of hormone health journey, is like if I eat in a blood sugar balanced way, everything else falls into place. And I think sometimes you know, we hear the word of blood sugar balancing. It's not very sexy, is it? It sounds a little bit boring, to be honest with you. We may have heard it lots of times before, not really know what it means. And so we're like, yeah, yeah, okay. And I'm guilty of this. 
I'm sometimes like, oh, yeah, okay, blood sugar balance. But really, give me the shiny new object that's going to get me all these like promised results. But honestly, spending some time understanding blood sugar balance and eating away to support blood sugar balance, I would say it's probably the most powerful way to support your hormones through food on a daily basis. Um, it really, really is. It's such a beautiful nutrition foundation. And for any of my clients who are listening or past clients, you know, you will have heard me talk about this day in, day out when we're working together. This is something that I really, really focus on because if you can tighten this, your hormone health will improve. And not only that, your energy improves, your sleep improves, your mood improves, your skin improves. It is just bonkers the effects that balancing blood sugar can have on all the systems in the body and in particular our hormone health. So I've explained a little bit what it is. Basically, it's the release of glucose when we eat carbs into our system, into our blood and into our cells. And if too much gets released or it's getting released too often, we go into a funny state of too much insulin, which causes imbalances everywhere. So, you know, how can we eat to support our blood sugar? How does this work? And what I want to say, even before we go there, is like, we all know the symptoms. We all know when our blood sugar is wonky. So, you know, when you eat and like an hour or two later, you're starving. That's usually a sign of slightly wonky blood sugar. Or when you eat and a couple of hours later, you have a lot of anxiety or your mood goes a bit funny uh, or you get these huge cravings. All of these manifestations in our body are usually a sign that our blood sugar is a little bit imbalanced because the body is desperate for us to have more sugar to bring us out of a dip. If you imagine, you quite often hear the phrase of blood sugar roller coaster, and that happens where, for example, we may start our day with something very sugary. I don't know, like a, a coffee with loads of milk and sugar, you know, one of those classic big, big Starbucks um, kind of lattes or something with syrups and things. Maybe we just have a croissant or something, spikes our blood sugar, we use it all up and then we dip massively and then we'll get really hungry or hangry or anxious or we'll crave a specific more sugar. That is what we mean by the blood sugar roller coaster. So what are the kind of things we can do to balance our blood sugar? So I'm going to give you some of my favorite sort of guidelines um, and the things that I really like to stick to that really, really help me. And I've helped so many of my clients. And then I'm going to talk you through sort of like what a, a good blood sugar balancing day could look like. And then one that's going to throw your blood sugar all over the place. And I would love for you to to really sort of sit and see which one you experience more often. And maybe, you know, sort of think about some changes that you can start um, sort of putting into place after hearing me sort of explain these. So. Let us start with the things that I feel are the most like beneficial for helping with blood sugar balance. So the first is really about eating regularly. Now, we, you know, when I mean regularly, I mean three good meals a day. I'm not talking about eating every couple of hours. Uh, you know, about 10 years ago, the, the, the craze in the nutrition world was literally to eat every two hours that was in theory what kept your blood sugar very stable the problem with that was is that we were releasing insulin too often and what we're seeing now is it's not giving us enough of a break in between for our insulin to stabilize itself and for us to be taking energy from other sources like protein and fats so 
you know, you might be somebody who's grazing all day. So you never have a massive meal, but you may like have pick and have a few things at breakfast. And then a couple of hours later, have a little snack. And then a couple of hours later, a small lunch. And then mid-afternoon, another snack and dinner, sort of smallish dinner. And then maybe a snack before bed. I really want to encourage you to start thinking about having just three really good big meals a day making them very intentional, making them very filling and and really walking away, you know, when you finish a meal and you feel really nourished and well-fed, that's what we're aiming for. And then you stop eating and that's it. No snacking until the next meal. And ideally, we want to be able to go seven or eight hours without eating. I'm not saying you have to do that all the time. Even five hours in between meals is, is fine. But if you can't go for eight hours without eating, if you feel really, really hungry, hungry, unwell, dizzy, all of these things is a sign that you're potentially, you know, you're struggling to keep that blood sugar stable. We should be able to go for that long. So, you know, you don't get need to get too obsessed with it, but I really, really recommend sitting down and thinking, you know, how often are you snacking? Are you someone who has small meals because you're coming from a history of potentially having dieted a lot or having calorie restricted or macro restricted? And are you now a bit afraid to eat a big meal? Because that happens very, very often with many of us who have been who have gone down the rabbit hole of restrictive eating. And I, I was I've been there myself. So eating regularly, but not every two hours. So if you possibly can cut out the snacking, that is such a powerful way to really start getting that blood sugar balanced because it will force you to start eating big meals that are very balanced and at the beginning it might not work and that's okay have a snack if you need it but if you can start going from breakfast to lunch and feeling good so that you don't get to lunch dying of starvation and if you can do lunch until dinner without dying of starvation that's going to be a that's a really wonderful sign that your blood sugar is stabilizing so eating three meals and no snacking, absolutely brilliant way to approach this. Then the next question is, well, what, what do I eat? How do I eat? So one of the sort of like easiest ways to make sure you're balancing your blood sugar is always having protein and fats with every meal and snack. And why, why, why do I say this? Well, both protein and fats take longer for the body to break down which means they slow down the release of glucose into our bloodstream. So for example, if you're just having a meal where you're having like some white rice and some vegetables, there's no protein or very little protein in there. So that's going to spike your blood sugar. That's going to shoot up a lot faster and you're going to break it down a lot faster. So you're going to crash a lot faster. So what you do, what you can do is, you know, include a bit of protein and a bit of fat in there. So you could obviously mix in any kind of meat in there some some stir fried chicken beef whatever you want you know um or maybe some tofu if you are not trying to go for a vegan or veggie option or egg if it's veggie so you put in your protein and you can also put in some fats so like maybe you want to drizzle it with a little bit of oil like an olive oil or you want to have a little side serving of half an avocado some olives if you're eating the three main food groups, proteins, fats and carbs, your blood sugar will be a lot, lot more stable and you'll feel it. Right. I don't know if you've ever experienced sometimes when you go to a restaurant and you eat something that probably has a lot of sugars in it. You don't even know it. It could be a savory meal. And then like an hour later, A, you're starving and B, you feel like absolute shit. 
that quite often can be that your blood sugar is really, really, really tanking. So that's what we kind of want to avoid. So going back to having some protein, some fat with your carbs. The other thing is, what carbs are you eating? And, you know, there's a lot of, you know, the no carb, low carb diet has been around for quite a while now. Some people get very good results from it. Um, carbs are meant to be the root of all evil. And I would say in terms of hormone health, that is most definitely not the case. But there are some carbs that are much, much more friendly in terms of blood sugar balance than others. And generally, these are going to be the more, ref the, the, not, not the more refined ones, the less refined ones, like our brown rice, things like quinoa, uh, amaranth, the more like whole wheat kind of pastas, um, things like chickpeas, lentils, etc. They have protein in them as well, but they're, they're a fairly good source of carb as well. Um, so going the starchy vegetables, like things like butternut squash, um, potatoes, sweet potatoes, parsnips, all of those. So really going for these kind of carbs over the really refined ones, like super like mega white rice or like very, very processed bread. Those things will spike you much, much faster, you know, and you can still put protein and fat on them. But let's go for these carbs that are naturally going to have far less of an impact on your blood sugar. So really, like, honestly, if you can just cut out the snacking and make sure you always have a protein and fat with every meal, you're pretty much there when it comes to blood sugar balancing. Now, you can get a lot more granular. So there are some other little hacks I like to do. Some of you may have heard of the glucose goddess. She is um, a biochemist that spends her life, she's de dedicated her life to blood sugar balance. And she takes a lot of measurements of her own blood sugar. And she's come up with a quite a few hacks. I would say one of my favorite ones is eating vegetables as a starter before your main meal. So the reason this works is because the vegetables, they form like a fibrous sort of mesh in your stomach as you eat, and they will help to slow down the release of blood sugar as well. Um, and I really, really like this hack because apart from the fact that it really balances your blood sugar, what I love about it is it makes you eat more vegetables because I don't know about you, but sometimes, you know, I'll serve myself, I'll serve a big meal and then I'll have like a nice salad and some veggies on the side. But I will obviously start with the things that like, you know, the main bit first or the tastiest bits. And then, you know, by the time I get to the vegetables, I am full and I potentially wouldn't eat as many as I would like to. So that's a really good hack. And, you know, let's not forget a lot of vegetables, especially things like your salad leaves, like your rocket and your watercress. They are fabulous for liver and bile um, um, and gallbladder bile acid um, production as well, which means they really stimulate our digestion and also support our hormones. So this is one of those hacks that, again, if you can put in, you don't have to do it like every single meal, every single day, but doing it when you can, can be really, really powerful. And the other reason I like it is because you can do it when you're on holiday. You can do it when you go to a restaurant. You can do it when you go to a friend's house. You can do it when you order some food in. You know, all you need to do is order a side like serving of salad or maybe spinach or broccoli, whatever. You have that first and then you have your food. So even if, for example, you're going to order like a massive pizza, um, you know, as long as you have like a little salad beforehand, it's going to make a difference. And I really, really like that. So that's probably like the little sort of hack on the side in terms of uh, blood sugar balancing. And there are other things, obviously, thinking about your hydration. 
Um, caffeine can cause your blood sugar to go a bit wonky as well. Alcohol really messes up blood sugar, um, you know. Um, so just thinking about how much caffeine and alcohol you're having. The tip I always give everyone is if you're going to drink or you're going to eat alcohol or coffee, never do it on an empty stomach. Do it when you've eaten something. Um, you know, a lot of us um, love to go out and maybe you'll, you'll have like a gin and tonic as an aperitif without any food. Even if you just order some nuts or some olives and have a few of those before you drink, it's going to completely shift the way your blood sugar responds to the alcohol. Um, and really, really useful to know that. Eat the same with coffee. If you're waking up and you're having like an espresso with a couple of sugars first thing, maybe think about having that espresso after you've had your breakfast. It will make the world of difference um, and it won't cause as much stress on your adrenal glands, etc. So let's talk about what a like let well let's talk about what an imbalanced blood sugar balancing day would look like and then we'll talk about what a balanced blood sugar balancing day would look like. So like classic examples I always give my clients are you know you wake up in the morning and you you don't eat breakfast or anything and you just maybe survive on a couple of these really like heavily processed coffees and I don't even know if you can call them coffees or you grab a hot chocolate or something and maybe you grab a pastry, um, you're on the run. So the pastry obviously has a lot of sugar in it and not much else. It has some fat, but it's not enough to really like, you know, balance that blood sugar. Then maybe a couple of hours later, you feel really hungry. Um, you might start thinking about some biscuits or you might be like, oh, I'm going to be healthy. I'll have a piece of fruit. A piece of fruit on its own generally is a little bit spiking for blood sugar and not anti-fruit, far from it. But I do feel we need to be aware, you know, mindful of how much fruit we're eating. If you're having more than about three portions a day, that's probably too much. And equally, if you're having fruit without any protein or any good fats on its own, it might spike your blood sugar. So, you know, make sure that you're having that fruit, maybe with a handful of nuts or seeds or like a teaspoon of nut butter um, or swap the fruit for some vegetables like celery, carrots, have them with a few nuts, etc. And that can really, really shift things. Then, for example, a couple of hours later after having that piece of fruit, your tummy stops rumbling, you can't focus anymore. Like literally the words are swimming on your screen and you maybe, I don't know, you pop out and you grab yourself a sandwich, maybe a white bread one, even a brown bread one might not have enough in there. And maybe um, you are trying to avoid meat. So you will have something like a bit like hummus, for example, in there and a few salad leaves. Um, you'll eat that and potentially you'll feel very hungry. So you'll grab a bar of chocolate for afterwards because you've got like sugar cravings. Then mid afternoon, you can feel your energy going away. You might grab like another like a sweet drink or maybe um, another coffee or a, a strong black tea with lots of sugar. Maybe by this point, there's a couple of biscuits floating around in the office. If you're an office worker or if you're at home, you're kind of going mad, opening all the cupboards, looking for something sweet. If you've got kids, this is the time when you're probably contemplating stealing their snacks. <laughs> We've all been there with all of these things. <laughs> so, you know, having a think about, you know, how, how that can change is very, very useful. But like to finish off the day, you know, you might get to dinner and maybe by this point you're not even that hungry because you've been on a bit of a massive roller coaster or you could be starving um, and you're desperate for food. So you order something in or you get yourself a sort of half made ready meal. Um, and again, that's not going to have enough protein or fat. 
and then you just collapse absolutely exhausted in bed you try to get to sleep you can't sleep properly because your blood sugar is all over the place you might even wake up in the middle of the night because your blood like low blood sugar very low blood sugar can also wake you up sometimes and then you know wake up the next morning and it all happens again so that's an example of the kind of days that are not particularly hormone loving or blood sugar balancing friendly an alternative sort of a better blood sugar balancing day would be waking up and you know starting the day with a really beautiful protein rich breakfast really going for it like you know I'm talking about trying to hit about 20 grams of protein minimum with your breakfast so that would look like maybe three or four egg omelet with loads of veggies um, I love doing things like cooking minced turkey or minced beef organic if possible you know and I serve it with loads of veggies on the side or sometimes I make some salmon um, if you're really pushed for time you could make yourself like a, a really protein rich smoothie um, I'm a really big fan of the savory breakfast again if you're my client and you're listening you'll know I go in about this morning noon and night but it is how you start the day has a huge impact on your blood sugar the rest of the day. So if you start your day feeling really, again, it's about feeling well fed and nourished. If you're eating plenty of protein and fats and a good carb, honestly, you can make it to lunchtime, no problems. It is amazing what happens when you change that breakfast. And then, you know, if you're going to have a coffee, have your coffee with your meal or just after your meal. That will just help to slow down the release of, or, you know, to, to, to like it, offset the blood sugar um, spikes that coffee could possibly have. And then nothing, you know, just in like feeling full, enjoying that feeling all the way up until lunch, lunchtime. And lunchtime could be things like, you know, a really lovely like protein rich salad again with good fats again with loads of veggies some nice carbs you know you could do like a, a quinoa chicken salad with a bit of avocado and olives and loads of leaves you could do yourself a veggie starter you know you can just buy yourself a bag of rocket and drizzle olive oil and lemon on the top and have that as a starter and then have your main um, and then you know there are parts in the cycle where maybe you might feel the need for a bit more sugar so it's okay have your sweet thing after the meal you might want a piece of fruit or you might want some dark chocolate or whatever, but that was going to really help rather than not having it then. And then like two hours later, ripping, you know, the, the packaging off of some kind of like sweet treat and wolfing it down without even thinking about it. And then, yeah, we've got the lunch till dinner, you know, trying to go without snacking as well. If you need to snack, but like I've said, a piece of fruit with nuts and seeds can be useful. Swapping the fruit for other vegetables like peppers, carrots, tomatoes, all of those things. Avocado, half an avocado as well can be really lovely as a snack. Greek yogurt, coconut yogurt with nuts and seeds. Um, you know, there's loads of lovely high protein, good fat snacks out there if you need them, you know, listen to your body as well. Like I said, at the beginning, you may not be able to go from meal to meal without snacking and that's okay, but you will find that you will be able to do it over time. Quite often my clients after about a month or so of doing this will say, oh, I didn't need my snacks anymore. And it's just a natural process because your body just doesn't need that energy in that way anymore. Your body has become a lot more effective at um, like sort of like steady energy production and use. And then at dinner, you could possibly have like a nice bit of fresh fish, again, more veggies. You could bake some starchy vegetables. This is the time where I prefer to have more, most of my carbs because the carbs help you sleep. Very good for, for sleep and they help um, the body absorb tryptophan, which is 
an amino acid that helps us relax and can convert into the sleep hormone melatonin. Um, so I like to have my bulk of my carbs in the evening. You can roast a sweet potato. You could, um, yeah, have whatever grain you like, as long as it's like a wholemeal version. Um, and if you want to finish off with a sweet thing, depending on where you are in your cycle, you know, just finish off and then finish and that's it. And then your blood sugar will be nice and balanced all night long. And you'll probably wake up not even feeling that hungry um, because you've had this lovely balanced blood sugar all day. So those are some two no, two examples of kind of like different approaches and what that would do to our blood sugar. But I suppose the main takeaway with the whole blood sugar is really being honest with yourself about how regularly you're snacking, how much protein you're having. Um, can you fit in a vegetable starter? All of these things are going to make the world of difference. And you will, like, like I said, energy changes, focus changes, sleep changes and hormones change. I have seen clients with very bad things like PMS really experience improvements, even like heavy, heavy periods, period pain, all improving once blood sugar gets balanced. So that is um, my main nutrition foundation. But I just really wanted to talk about inflammation as well. Touch on it because it gets talked about a lot. And a body that is chronically inflamed is a body that is not going to be functioning optimally. And when there's inflammation, we tend to find hormonal imbalances. And another reason being that when the body is inflamed, um, you can get like, so every cell has a membrane and the membrane is, yeah, like the, the outer protective covering of the cell. And if there's inflammation, things don't pass in and out of the membrane in the same way. And one of the most important things that have to pass in and out of cells are hormones. <laughs> so if our hormones can't get in and out of cells properly, we're going to end up with huge hormonal imbalances. So let's just talk, talk, talk about, I could probably do a full podcast episode on this, but I did want it. I do feel it's an important nutrition foundation. So, you know, we have two types of inflammation, um, acute and chronic. And acute inflammation is important and life-saving. You know, if you're in an accident and you're injured, you need an acute inflammatory response to protect you and to help you heal. And that's perfectly normal. The problem is nowadays, there's so much in our environment that is inflammatory that we are chronically inflamed. And this is not a desirable health state to be in. And this is what we need to think about. And what we are talking about today is the inflammation that is potentially coming from our food. So oh, this is a big, big topic, really. But we really want to be thinking about mainly the oils and the fats. I've already talked about eating good fats in the blood sugar balancing section. You know, they're really important. I feel that we hear the term good fats a lot of the time and we don't really know what they mean. Uh, and I know that sometimes there's a lot of confusion because um, clients will say to me, oh, well, I thought, you know, sunflower is natural, so that should be a good fat. And I'm like, unfortunately, sunflower oil is most definitely not a good fat because it's very inflammatory. So the way we divide inflammatory foods or inflammatory good and bad fats really is in their ability to stimulate inflammation or to reduce inflammation. Now, we, we do absolutely need some oils there to keep to make sure we are producing an acute inflammatory response. But the problem is in the modern Western world or the modern Western diet, 
our ratios are hugely, hugely out of whack. So we've got way more inflammatory oils um, than we do non-inflammatory oils, anti-inflammatory oils. Now, you may, may have heard of all the omegas, like three, six, nine, there's seven, 12, etc. The ones we're thinking of mainly are omega-3 and omega-6. The reason we think of these is because we can make all the other omegas from these two. So these are the only two that we need to get from our diet. Now, omega-3 is anti-inflammatory. Omega-6 is pro-inflammatory. So omega-3, we don't have that many sources of omega-3. I would say the best source is oily fish, 100%, because it's very, very bioavailable and very concentrated and very, very efficient at reducing inflammation. So we're talking about fish like salmon, sardines, mackerel, trout, herring, Maybe a bit of tuna would be careful because tuna can have a lot of mercury, so not loads of tuna. Um, these are all really amazing and omega-3 um, oily fish. If you don't eat fish, we are looking at things like potentially flax seeds, walnuts and avocados, but they do not contain anywhere near the amounts that fish, is, fish do. So just having an awareness of that, if you're vegan, you may need to supplement please make sure you get a good quality omega-3 only algae oil and you really do need to take quite a few and the body still has to convert it into like a really active form of omega-3. So this is just something to be mindful of. Um, where are you getting your omega-3s from? There are people who don't like oily fish, which is fine, but please, please very, be very aware that it's very important to get these foods in your diet. So it's not just about putting things in, but it's about taking things out. And in this case, it's all these pesky omega-6s because they are everywhere. I mean, yeah, anything that's got a label that says like vegetable oil, sunflower oil, rapeseed oil, any of these oils are really, really inflammatory. Most nuts and seeds are omega-6. I'm not saying you have to cut them out completely, but just having an awareness around them. I would say the main problem is, is that a lot of these oils sneak into products we're buying. If you are not cooking your food at home, you have no control over the oils that are being used. And the labeling on them is a bit dodgy sometimes. If you're eating out a lot or ordering in a lot, chances are everything is cooked in sunflower or vegetable oil because it is the cheapest by far. So really thinking about, you know, how often are you preparing your own food and what oils are you using when you're cooking? Um, or oh, by the way, um, things like olive oil, coconut oil um, are great, are fine for cooking in. So is organic butter and ghee. Please don't ever cook with things like sunflower oil or vegetable oil or rapeseed oil or any of these. Don't touch them full stop. <laughs> so really have a think about where they're coming from. And the other surprising source of inflammatory oils are plant-based products. So plant milks. A lot of the ones that are trying to be creamy, you know, these barista versions, the ones that are trying to like be really tasty, because if you think about it, a plant milk is normally like just water and some nuts, right? Like you're never going to get that creaminess like that or oats and some nuts. So they add oils into them to make them much more palatable, much more creamy, much more delicious. And um, we really, you know, a lot of us are consuming a lot of plant milks, unaware that we're potentially taking in a lot of oils. If you look at the back of many of plant oil and um, plant milk products, you will see that there's an oil in there. So please avoid the ones with oils. Please go for really plain ones if you can, because if you're having these on a daily basis, 
you know, potentially you're having them in the morning in a smoothie or you're putting them in a cereal and then you're having them with your hot drinks all day, you are taking in a lot of inflammatory oils. The same goes for um, looking at, like, for example, like these like uh, meatless products, they sometimes have certain oils in them as well. Anything processed that's like a, a lot of the ones are like basically plant-based ones. They put a lot of oils in them. And they also put a lot of oils in conventional things like conventional like biscuits and cakes and, and all of that, you know, and chocolate. They all have crappy oils in them as well. So it does become a little bit overwhelming. I think it's just starting to question or look at labels a little bit more. So if there's something you're having on a regular basis, have a look at the label and, and read. What does it say? Does it say anything about a vegetable oil in there or palm oil or whatever? You know, and maybe think hmm, about swapping that for an alternative that doesn't contain that oil or making your own. If you are somebody who's drinking a lot of plant milks, maybe look for one that doesn't contain any oils as well. Make your own plant milk at home. I think it's just about having that awareness um, because, it, you know, it's sort of like really saddens me that so many of us think we're, we're doing something that's good for us, where in fact, we're just like basically throwing more fuel to the, the inflammatory fire all the time. Of course, there are lots of other things that cause inflammation. Stress gets us inflamed. Our environment does. But I really feel that nutrition is something that we can start shifting a little bit and tell other people right tell people if you see some people who are literally guzzling 20 liters of oat milk a week say have you looked at the oils in that <laughs> you know just be careful um because i would want somebody to tell me this stuff too so to summarize with inflammation we really really want to put in these beautiful omega-3 oils these oily fish um, maybe a flaxseed oil if you're not eating fish maybe some avocados, avocado oil, some walnuts as well, you know, really getting these fish, these lovely omega-3 foods in and taking out these omega-6s. If you're eating takeaways all the time, maybe thinking about ways in which you can start maybe cooking for yourself a couple of times a week. Um, if you're always having lunch out, are there a few lunches that you can take, you know, um, in with you a week or make at home or whatever? But yeah, it's, it's a really important one to be aware of and one that a lot of people don't fully understand I feel when it comes to nutrition okay so that's pretty much everything I wanted to talk about today some nutrition foundations <laughs> I think the thing about nutrition foundations is they become a bit of a rabbit hole after a while because I was like oh what about the gut what foods what about the liver foods what about this what about that but I honestly if you can balance your blood sugar you are going to feel immediate benefits from doing that and knock-on effects from doing that. So like I said, snacking, cut it out, regular beautiful meals with protein, carbs and fats all the time. Eat a vegetable as a starter and honestly, you'll be winning. And then think about where those inflammatory oils are coming from. And that's pretty much all the foundations, the, the most sort of like, I think, important ones to think about. I will be doing episodes on things like gut health and, um, you know, liver support and all of that in the future. Of course, I will. And if you're sort of listening to this going, well, I don't even know where to start. I do have some hormone balancing meal plans available that you can buy from my website. Um, I've got meal plans for vegans, vegetarians, pescatarians and omnivores. And they are all, every recipe in there is designed to balance your blood sugar. Every recipe is like 
coming down with vegetables. Every recipe has proteins, fats, carbs. There are even some really delicious sweet snacks. I think there's things like black bean brownies in there, you know, like some really lovely ways. Um, and there's, you know, a lot of recipes to choose from. You also get a little voice note from me explaining what makes some blood sugar balancing, which if you've listened to this, will just reinforce what I've said, maybe with a little bit more detail relating to the actual recipes. Uh, but it's a really, really good way to start, you know, and if you can just pick out a few of the breakfasts, a few of the lunches and a few of the dinners, uh, and start building those into your kind of like daily or your weekly or monthly repertoire. Honestly, you are taking such a massive first step to eating um, for hormone health. And, you know, I've had great feedback from um, these plans. People have said their energies felt better. Their hormones are calming down, PMS. So, yeah, if you're interested, I'll pop the link in the show notes. I hope you have enjoyed this episode. Um I've loved warbling on about it. As always, I could do this all day and night. And yeah, please, please, please um, feel free to email or DM me if you're on Instagram with any questions. I love hearing about, you know, what you're thinking of. Let me know what you thought of this episode. And I will speak to you very, very soon. Enjoy. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Please help us spread the menstrual cycle love by rating and leaving us a review and sharing this with anyone who you think needs to hear it.